A good evening to all my wonderful listeners, and welcome to episode six of the Historian Weekly Podcast, the forum where we come and discuss the history behind current events and look at them through a modern magnifying glass. In this installment of Women of the World, she was the toughest man in government, the strong-willed, straight-talking, tough old iron lady. Shall we find out who that is? I think so. Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, let's make some history. So this iron lady was, of course, Margaret Thatcher. Oh wait, no, that's not right, is it? Actually, I'm talking about a lady who served as prime minister way before Margaret Thatcher did. Her name was Golda Meir, and she was the first female prime minister of a small country in the Middle East called Israel. So, who is this original Iron Lady? Well, she was born as Golda Mabovich on May the 3rd, 1898, in Kiev, then part of the Russian Empire. Her first memory, as she said, was of her father nailing boards over the front door during rumors that a pogrom was imminent. By the way, for those of you who don't know, a pogrom is a Russian word for to destroy, to wreak havoc, or to demolish violently. Today it applies mostly to anti-Jewish violence in the Russian Empire in the late 19th and early 20th century. Years later, she would recall this memory by saying, If there is any explanation necessary for the direction which my life has taken, perhaps it is the desire and the determination to save Jewish children from a similar scene and from a similar experience. Golda lived a poor life in Russia, often on the brink of death. Her food was sometimes given to her younger sister. Her older sister often fainted from hunger. She said, I was always a little too cold outside and a little too empty inside. In 1906, when Golda was eight years old, she and her family emigrated to the United States, specifically in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin. After being pressed by her mother to give up the idea of high school and marry a much older man, Golda at age 16 ran away to live with her sister and her friends. At age 18, she was introduced to many, many different topics. Socialism, public speaking, teaching, and Zionism, which was in its early stages. When there were attacks on Jews in Ukraine, she would often help organize a protest march in Milwaukee. She was desperate to emigrate what was then the British Mandate of Palestine, although her husband-to-be, Mr. Terry Myerson, had other ideas. He then acquiesced and emigrated in 1921. Golda Meir was actually quite popular in the United States. Her English was perfect, and she was always known as someone who was brilliant at public speaking. She used to organize events for the Jewish community, and she had many friends who were non-Jews as well, although that was very uncommon for the time, as even then, different religions were very segregated and lived in their own communities which barely spoke to each other, especially in the more rural parts of the United States. There was an old joke that Golda used to say, Moses dragged us for 40 years through the desert to bring us to the one place in the Middle East which has no oil. Indeed, that area of the Middle East genuinely has no oil, and the Jews who lived there and who emigrated there definitely had no money to speak of. They had no resources. It was a desert with swamps full of malaria and dysentery, and it was like a frontier like the Wild West. Very, very, very difficult to live in. At the time, the only heavy industry in the area was the manufacturing of chocolate, in which she commented, Why does it taste so sandy? Golda and her husband then joined the kibbutz. 
A kibbutz is basically a farm, a collectivistic communist farm where everything is shared. So money, resources, food, housing, all of it was shared. It's like a hippie commune without the hippies or the acid. A kibbutz, being a farming community, required hard physical labor. Very, very tough. And Golda was rejected because at the time people thought, a woman can't do physical labor and she won't do it. Golda was furious and worked herself to exhaustion picking almonds, planting trees, and growing chickens, and quickly became the best at it, including innovations on how to make it more efficient. In 1928, she became the secretary of the Women's Labor Council of the Histadrut, which is basically then the Jewish labor movement, which meant for her supervising the vocational training of immigrant girls. By this point, her marriage was also failing, and she'd been having numerous affairs by this point. Mrs. Meyerson liked to have fun. Then, everything changed. After the horrors of the Second World War and the Holocaust became hideously apparent. The British government still kept its white paper limiting immigration of Jews to Palestine. The British feared that a mass immigration of Jews would uh, force the Arabs to take the side against the British, and they were scared of that. The survivors of the death camps were actually being held in detention centers in Europe by the British. Because of this, the British government began arresting Jewish leaders as well. However, Golda was one of the very few that remained free. Because of this, she began running things. She took over Zionist negotiations with the British and at the same time kept in close touch with leaders of the armed Jewish resistance, tasked with opposing the British and also fighting Arab guerrillas. With the idiotic Arab rejection of the partition plan of Palestine in 1947, Golda and the other Jews of the area knew that war was looming and that they needed money and arms. Golda departed to the United States, where she managed to raise $50 million, a huge sum at the time, from wealthy Jewish donors and others sympathizing with the Zionist cause. On her return, the ever-pragmatic Golda undertook a very delicate negotiations with King Abdullah on Jordan. Disguising herself as an Arab woman, she traveled to Amman in Jordan, urging the king not to join the other Arab leaders in their attacks on Jews. King Abdullah asked her not to hurry to proclaim a Jewish state. He told her, why don't you wait a while? To which she responded, we have been waiting for 2,000 years. Is that hurrying? On May the 14th, 1948, on the day of Israel's independence, she was one of the 25 signatories of the Declaration of Independence and the only woman to do so. She said, after I signed, I cried. When I studied American history as a schoolgirl and I read about those who signed the Declaration of Independence, I couldn't imagine these were real people doing something real. And then there I was, sitting down, signing a Declaration of Independence. Afterwards, Mrs. Meyerson, who has now changed her name to Mrs. Meir, to make it sound more Hebrew, left her post as envoy to the Soviet Union and entered the Israeli parliament. From 1949 till 1956, she was Minister of Labor during years of severe economic hardship. In Israel, all food was rationed, and meat ma rations were only three and a half ounces a day, she said, just so that we didn't forget that there's still meat in the world. Golda was also a feminist and championed women's causes. When a cabinet member was trying to deal with a series of assaults on women, a minister who was obviously a man, suggested disallowing women from going outside in the dark. 
Furiously, Golda protested. Men are attacking women, not the other way around. If there is going to be a curfew, let the men be locked up, not the women. People often ask Mrs. Mayer if she felt handicapped at being a woman minister. She said, I don't know. I never tried to be a man. Later, she served as foreign minister under Israel's founder, David Ben-Gurion, who called her the only man in my cabinet. She used to work 18 hours a day. After two years, her chief of cabinet suggested she take a vacation. Why? she asked. Do you think I'm tired? He responded, no, but I am. So she retorted, so you take a vacation. Of course, she spoke about the war, as Israel was born into war, believing that it was necessary, but she herself hated it. We have been obliged to be good soldiers, but not with joy, she said. After many around the world took a note of her stubbornness about negotiating for peace, she complained, Hitler took care of 60 million Jews. If we lose a war, that's the end, forever, and we disappear from the earth. If one fails to understand this, then one fails to understand obstinacy. We intend to remain alive. Our neighbors want to see us dead. This is not a question that leaves much room for compromise. She also said, It's true, we've won all our wars, but we have paid for them. In 1969, Golda was elected as Prime Minister of Israel at age 70. She was the first and so far only woman to hold the position in the country, and one of the first female leaders in the world, preceding Margaret Thatcher. She commented, Being 70 is not a bad thing, but it's not a joy either. She took on this burden after having considered retirement, but she felt that her work with building her state was incomplete. Her premiership was a disaster, but that's a topic for another day. Let's actually talk about how Golda Meir impacted not only Israeli feminism, but modern feminism. How did she serve as an inspiration for so many hardworking women, and how did she impact society? Golda Meir as Prime Minister became the poster child for American feminism. Her toughness, uncompromising speech, and grit earned her much favor within the feminist movement. However, she was quite reluctant to fully embrace the cause. Although she did have that moment that I mentioned before, she also said, I cannot say that women are better than men, but they are certainly no worse. She preferred to behave as if gender didn't matter, as she believed that gender simply got in the way of building a state. She even attacked the women's liberation movement, saying, Women's liberation is just a lot of foolishness. It is the men who are discriminated against. They can't bear children, and no one is likely to do anything about that. However, ever a lady of contrast, she did indirectly champion women's causes. A few quotes from this include, Not being beautiful was a true blessing. Not being beautiful forced me to develop my inner resources. That pretty girl has a handicap to overcome. She also said, Fashion is an imposition, a rain on freedom. The fact is, Golda was actually stuck between two societies, the old, unequal one in which she was raised and which was very ma masculine and masochist, and the modern, more open society, allowing women to become more independent. She was one of the first women to truly make an independent success of herself in the 20th century, breaking many old stereotypes that came to define the lives of women for generations. The wise Mrs. Mayer later commented on this by saying, there is a type of woman who cannot remain at home. In spite of her place, her children and family fill in her life. 
Her nature demands something more. She cannot divorce herself from the larger social life. She cannot let her children narrow her horizon. For such a woman, there is no rest. Golda Meir, to many politicians and to the common man, including me, came off as the sort of person who was like that old wise grandma who knew how to take care of you no matter what the situation. For any kind of problem, it always seemed like Golda had an answer. She always seemed to be able to take things in her stride and overcome them in a way that you would think, hey, you know what, I'm not sure I could do that. Golda Meir died on December the 8th, 1978, at age 80. By then, she was a history-making national leader, and one of the most independent, strong, and accomplished women of the 20th century. She was a woman who worked herself to exhaustion just for her cause. As with Rosa Parks in the last episode, she never stopped suffering, nor did she ever search for power or her own personal gain. She remained poor her whole life, and only had a hint of luxury when she got her top positions in the cabinet. She never wanted to be prime minister. But she took the position only because she felt that she could shoulder the burden of running the state that she helped create. Anwar Sadat, the leader of Egypt who bravely signed the first peace agreement with Israel, called her a tough old lady who would do anything for the perseverance of peace. She transcended her status as a woman and ran the country with an iron fist, giving strength to the entire population and earning the country worldwide acclaim. Let's be honest, she was quite a badass. Golda Meir served as an inspiration for her forebears and her successors, such as Margaret Thatcher, and will always be an inspiration for those hardworking women who want to break the glass ceiling and are becoming the successes of their own, helping to do their part in improving society as a whole. She took her status as a woman and actually made it into her advantage for that she deserves to be remembered as a woman of the world. Well, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Historian Weekly Podcast has come to an end. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for listening, and I really do hope that you enjoy listening to my podcasts as much as I enjoy creating them, because I truly enjoy every minute. You can find me on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and on my website, historian.net. Please, please, please share and subscribe, because your word of mouth is helping to keep me on the air. Have a good week, everybody.